Good morning and happy Monday, June 20th to everyone listening. I'm Adam Wright. You are listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. It is good to be with you on this Monday morning. Let us begin our day and week together here on the airwaves in prayer as we pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. Jesus, our generous Redeemer, you are the steward of all divine graces, unceasingly seeking and desiring to fill us with all we need. We ask for the grace to fully open our hearts, surrendering them completely to you. Create a new heart in me. Send your spirit to burn out all that is not of you and fill every crevice with your truth and love. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We read in Philippians 4, 19, O my God, grant that our hearts may only exist to love you. Most Holy Virgin Mary, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's good to be with you on this Monday morning. I want to note right off the bat that this week is going to be a little bit different. We have our summer radiothon this week, and we will be celebrating 25 years of Catholic radio here on Covenant Network. What began on May 1st, 1997, we have started celebrating, and we're going to be bringing in some of our listeners to speak with us and share their memories. We're going to have a little fun, too. Actually, we're going to have a lot of fun. But So Wednesday morning, we won't have a show, but I will be with you here on Wednesday morning, and we will be with some great people. So just make a note of that. This week is a good week to be with us. If you want to celebrate with us, I encourage you to tune in Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday throughout the day. It's a great way to celebrate. But before we get to that, we do have today, so let's not get ahead of ourselves. On the show today, it is Martinoni Monday, we're going to be talking about, uh, you know, have you ever been to a football game? Have you ever been to a baseball game? Have you ever been to a sporting event? And you see a sign that says John 3.16. Well, we're going to talk about that. This is something kind of new in my life. More on that later. Um, Then we're going to go on the road over to Epiphany of Our Lord Parish to to visit with our good friend, Father Michael Rainier, to talk about the longing that's in our heart, a desire that is in our heart that sometimes we cannot name and we, we may not even recognize fully what it is, but we know it's there and who can fill that longing well. Father Rainier is going to have some great insights for us on that. And then finally today, we'll be talking by phone with Father Jeffrey Kirby about Scripture and the liturgy. Now, um, did you know that we use the Scripture a lot throughout the Mass? And not just in the readings, but throughout the Mass. We'll be talking about that and more when we visit with Father Kirby. Of course, we'll have the daily dose of encouragement today for you as well. Now, before we go to all of that, I would like to just share a little story with you from this past weekend. We've been having some problems with our car. It's, you know, it's 12, almost 13 years old, and the air conditioner has gone out, right? So not a problem with the motor running. We can get from point A to point B. It is certainly not the end of the world. But it's been a frustrating experience because there is a leak somewhere in the system. We are losing coolant. And because of that, the system senses that there's a leak and it shuts down to prevent catastrophic failure. 
Now, I learned something new over the weekend, that they put dye in refrigerant. I'm not a car guy. I think I've shared that with you before. I admire cars. I don't know much about them, how they operate. I know there's an engine that turns a, a crankshaft or something like that that goes to a transmission and turns axles, and that's what makes the wheels go, and you have to have gas, and you need to change the oil, right? I know this. Well, I learned over the weekend that when your air conditioner is leaking, they actually put a dye in the refrigerant, and then you get a black light out, and you go looking around in the dark, um, for where these leaks might be. And so Friday night, I went and I got a black light, a little uh, flashlight one. And I'm looking around for where this leak might be. And I think I found the leak. And then I take it to the shop on Saturday and they say, thanks for playing, but you did not find the leak. And I say, all right, well, tell me what that means. And it means we're going to have to really do some searching and, uh, you know, the, the kind of searching that requires taking apart your dashboard and putting it back together. So Beth and I have a decision to make about whether or not we want to do that. But why do I share this with you? I have, I have long been promoting on this show to do that daily examine and a nightly examination of conscience. And I thought this was such a beautiful example for us that when we pause every day at midday to say, Lord, here's something I'm grateful for today. Maybe today I'm grateful for the fact that they make dye that can help you find leaks. It could be that simple. It could be something profound. But also to say, Lord, here's an area today where I need your grace to do better. I'm being short with my temper. I'm being short in patience. I'm being maybe overly zealous. I may be being a little apathetic or lazy, whatever it may be. And then nightly to take stock of everything that's happened in the day and do that examination of conscience and let all of this prepare you to go to the sacrament of reconciliation. You've heard me say this before. Well, as I think about it, I think this is kind of like the dye in that air conditioning refrigerant. This is what helps us find where the problems are in our life. Because if every day our examination of conscience says, I'm struggling with this, this is where I am falling short and living out a life of holiness, well, then we might have identified the major problem. And now we can turn to the heavenly mechanic, the mechanic of souls. That's probably not the best term to use for our Lord, but he does work on our souls and he does pour out grace to say, Lord, this is where we need the work. This is where we need the grace. So uh, if you don't mind, lift up a prayer that they can find out what's wrong with their air conditioner because we'd like to not be baking in this 100-degree heat in the car, but certainly we will live without it. And do a daily examine and examination of conscience. As I said, we've got a lot to get to on the show today, so let's get to it. Let's first go to Mike Roberts for a check of today's weather. Today is the feast day of St. Silverius, Pope and Martyr, and St. Vincent Cobb. Born in the mid-16th century in Korea, Vincent was involved in a conflict between Korea and Japan, taken prisoner, then moved to Japan. It was during this time that St. Francis Xavier was leading an effort to bring Christ to Japan and China. Vincent became one of the 100,000 that were converted. He then entered the seminary, going on to serve as a priest for three decades. Japanese Emperor Ogamashi issued an edict banning Catholicism, and then in 1614, the bishop, St. Francis Pacheco, was expelled from Japan. However, Many in Japan continued to secretly practice their faith, and eventually Pacheco secretly returned. After many years of harassment, Father Vincent Pacheco and seven other Christians were arrested and burned alive in Nagasaki in 1626. St. Vincent Calm, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. 
We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. And on this Monday morning, we're talking with John Martinoni, founder and president of the Bible Christian Society, about one of those scripture passages that I am sure you have seen reference to. Although, John, I, I got to tell you, I just got into football a few years ago because I used to work in the parish on Sundays as the music director. So I, by the time football came on, I was taking a nap. And, and I'm looking around for these signs that say John 3.16 because I hear people hold them up at the end zone, John 3.16. I haven't seen one in a while, but it is certainly a very culturally relevant passage that if you talk about that, someone will say, oh, yeah, I've seen one of those signs at a sporting event. So what do we need to know about John chapter 3, verse 16? Well, number one, you need to know that as a Catholic, you can say amen to John 3.16. I believe it. But you don't necessarily believe the fallible interpretation that many Protestants come up with using John 3.16. I'll read the verse real quick. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And see, what the, the Protestant interpretation of that is, Salvation by faith alone, or by believing alone. See, all you have to do is believe, and it says, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Absolutely, the Catholic says. But that doesn't, that word alone, that's not in there. Plus, what does to believe in someone mean? Well, in this instance with Jesus, to believe in him means that you should do what he says to do. You know, and, and all throughout the New Testament, you know, Jesus, well, the Gospels, and then, you know, obviously the, the entire Bible is inspired by God, so it's God's Word. But Jesus in the Gospels, uh, he's saying, you know, you have to forgive others. You have to keep the commandments. Um, you have to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, visit the sick and the imprisoned. You have to do all these things in response to God's free gift of salvation that he gives you through faith. Yes, if you believe in Jesus, you should not perish, but you have to continue to believe in Jesus throughout your entire life, to the end of your life. You have to persevere in the race, as Paul talks about. And again, believing means doing what he tells you to do. So nowhere in this passage does it say we are saved by believing alone. That word alone, not there. So, so salvation by faith alone is not a valid interpretation of John 3.16. So again, as Catholics, we can say, amen. You can slap your Bible and say, amen. I believe that verse as a Catholic, 100%. In fact, as a Catholic, I believe every verse of Scripture, 100%. But I do not believe the fallible interpretation of Scripture that many come up with from this verse saying it says you're saved by faith and faith alone. John, I remember when I bought my son a loft bed with a desk underneath from a furniture store that is well known for not assembling anything. You have to assemble it. And I had faith that the instruction manual would tell me what I need to do to assemble that bed. But just having that faith did not put the bed together. I actually had to follow the instructions. So as you say this, I, I think of another great passage of the Gospel of John, chapter 6, the Bread of Life Discourse, 
where Jesus says, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will not have life within you. Well, if you believe in the Son of Man, then you have to do what he says, as you so clearly illustrated, talking about the works of mercy and so on. So I want to thank you for this clarity. And friends, again, when someone says, John 3.16, for God so loved the world, you can say amen. I want to thank John Martinoni, founder and president of the Bible Christian Society, for taking the time to clarify this with us on this Monday morning. For more information on sacred scripture, be sure to check them out at BibleChristianSociety.com. We're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. We are back. You are listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We are on the road today, accompanied by the happy sounds of many children about the rectory this morning at Epiphany of Our Lord Parish, where we're happy to talk with Father Michael Rainier. Father, it's good to be with you today. Yeah, thanks for coming and uh, joining the chaos that is uh, Epiphany Parish. All the kids are here this morning for their uh, catechesis of the Good Shepherd. I think that's a noise we can happily enjoy here on the show when, when children are being catechized. Uh, we're very pro-family, pro-child, as you know, so I, I'm willing to have the kids in the background if you are. But Father, you know, here's the thing we're talking about today. We're talking about desire. We're talking about longings of the heart. And I think back to a time not too long ago that I said to myself, oh, I have a taste for fried chicken. And not just like cheap fried chicken that you can get anywhere. I want the good stuff, the stuff that's been marinating for a couple days and the buttermilk and the breading and it's fried to perfection. And my day just wasn't going to be complete without that fried chicken. And then later that day, I actually ran across one of my favorite Psalms, Psalm 42, as the deer longs for running streams. So longs my heart for you, O Lord. And I thought, oh, goodness. Let go of the fried chicken, Adam, and and call up Father Rainier because we need to talk about desire and longing. <laughs> um, Father, it, it, it's the reality for all of us. We all have that that heart that longs for God, and sometimes we may recognize that we may not. But why is that? So we're created uh, to to love God. We we are uh, creatures who are endowed with an eternal soul, made in the image of Christ. And so that's why we get so confused, I'll speak for myself and apparently for you with the fried chicken scenario, <laughs> about how to fulfill our desires. Because we, we get distracted by things that they're not bad. It's not a bad thing to have a delicious you know, drumstick that you... <laughs> I won't describe it. It's getting close to lunch and I'm hungry just thinking about it. But it's, it's not a bad thing to enjoy these good things, these created goods, in moderation. The problem is when we turn to those things of, of this world to fulfill our deepest desire, and we think, oh, if I just get that piece of fried chicken, you know, then, then my day will be perfect. If I just get that promotion at work, if I just get so-and-so to respect me finally, or whatever good thing it is you have your heart set on and you think, well, that will satisfy my deepest desire. It, it never does. Because our deepest desire, because we're made as eternal creatures, our deepest desire is not of this world. Our deepest desire is to, to live with God forever in heaven. And so all the other desires need to uh, sort of hierarchically, right, take their proper place on that, that ladder to heaven. So if we get that one important deepest desire, which is that we were made for heaven, uh, and live our lives in such a way as to get there and to love God, 
we're never going to be happy because we're essentially turning against our own selves. We're denying that which our soul longs for at its most, uh, I think, at its deepest level. I think back to all these things that I long for, some of which, as you said, were very good, that promotion or the ability to be in the spotlight for this or for that or to have that person respect me or like me or be my friend or, you know, for my wife to say yes, that she would marry me. Good things, but... Then ice here. Right, but <laughs> not the things that in eternity right. are going to fill that God-sized hole in my heart. And now while my wife helps with that, you know, there she you is not the end itself. Yeah. She is leading me to the end, which is God willing communion with our Lord in heaven. So how do we recognize it? I mean, you, you talked about these things that are good. You know, it's not necessarily bad unless you're you're in the verge of gluttony with your fried chicken. It's not necessarily bad to want these things, but how do we recognize where we are longing for God in our lives? Uh so I am a very stubborn person. You've known me long enough to, to probably know. Oh, Father Michael, it's a, self, a self-confident man, right? Uh, so I have always been very confident in my vision of the world. And so for me, it takes almost a catastrophic intervention to, to finally wake up and realize, oh, you thought that you, were, you had it all together. You thought you'd done everything right. And, and, and you know nothing. Michael. So for me, God throws these little interventions my way <laughs> from time to time. And I think we need those. We need that check uh, to, really, to really understand, okay, I was pretty comfortable and I was sliding into uh, sort of easy pleasures and maybe even mediocrity, just kind of sliding through life. And, but you can do so much better. There's, there's so much of a challenge ahead of you to, to um, seek out that deeper desire. So I remember, um, so I used to be an Anglican pastor, the Church of England, very happy. I lived on Cape Cod, a couple miles from the beach, loved my parishioners. Uh, could have done that forever, right? You know, my parishioners would have me over and give me a plate of well-fleet oysters, you know, the, one of these great delicacies of the world. I lived in a place where people go for vacation, right? That's how you know you have, you've made it in life. Uh, happily married, a uh, couple of kids at that point. Could have done it forever, right? And then I come back to St. Louis. I'm from here to visit family. And I go to a Catholic Mass, because I'm, I'm interested. Um, but that was about it. Just, I want to see what these Catholics are up to, at the cathedral particularly, right? Because I had never gone there. I grew up here, but I was never Catholic. So, <laughs> so I thought, I want to see what actually happens in this, in this cathedral. Which, by the way, is one of those places that people go to visit on vacation. Apparently, apparently, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I go and, and I see a mass in action, and I didn't like it. <laughs> and I, I thought, oh, this is not for me. It's 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 it. Uh, it doesn't feel natural. It doesn't feel organic to the way I pray. It doesn't feel like the way I connect with Jesus. Uh, it seems it's beautiful in its own way, maybe, but just not for me, right? So I go back to Cape Cod. And I still keep thinking about that Mass. And I think about how appealing it is and how much I don't like it, <laughs> both at the same time. And, and over the years, uh, that Mass got its hooks into me. 
and here I am today, I'm, I'm a Catholic priest. And in thinking through, well, what happened? What exactly was it that rattled my cage so much? And I realized it was a question of desire. So I had these desires that weren't entirely wrong or bad. I wanted to love God. I was, I was actually a pastor in a, in a Christian church. But my desires hadn't been fully formed by Catholic virtue. And those virtues come through in the Mass, even if they're not front and center and you don't realize that's what's happening. When we go to Mass, we're being catechized in virtue, because that's what grace does. It's a, it's a habitual, uh, transformational experience that changes us from the inside out. So when you go to a Mass, that's what's happening to you. God is sort of putting virtue into your heart and changing you. And I wasn't ready for it. My, my heart wasn't shaped the right way, so to speak. I couldn't contain that grace. And so I didn't like it. My, my desires had been malformed. And so it took a process of many years. It was very difficult. God had to really kind of shout at me. But I slowly, through grace and through the encounter with the holy sacrifice of the Mass, have, have been reshaped, right? And, and I'm starting to love more what it is that God loves the Mass, Catholic virtue, the Catholic life, the moral life, goodness, beauty. I have a long way to go, but uh, when I look back at my story, I can see how, how God has been at work. And I'm sure if you or our listeners look back at their lives, they'll see that as well. Things that maybe they used to think the church was wrong about, or they didn't like about the church, or maybe a particular prayer, or maybe going to confession, they thought, well, I see why, theoretically, it's a good thing, but it's not for me, or it's not part of my habit. And now they look back, and they see how God has brought us along uh, to loving what he loves. That's a really interesting proposition you're, you're putting forward here, that if we don't even recognize that we have a longing for God, God, with his grace, or through his grace, will show us that we have that longing for him and show us that we have a desire for him. And that leads us to our next question. But before we get there, I think this is a good place to take a break. So we're going to do that. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We're on the road this morning at Epiphany of Our Lord Parish, talking with Father Michael Rainier. And Father, before the break, we were talking about how God really showed you you had a desire for him through that Mass that at the same time you, you both were entranced by, you couldn't get enough of, and yet because you weren't Catholic, you also detested because you thought it was just <laughs> silliness. Um, but the Lord worked through that. The, the Lord worked through that and has brought you into the church. And some of our listeners might be saying, okay, this is a great story. I, I love Father Michael's story. That's all well and good. But what's my story? What do I do to help see that I have a desire for God? And how do I build that life of virtue? Yeah, there's so many virtues that uh, we partially understand or partially practice, but then maybe we're, we're not courageous enough yet or, or have the right desires um, to consistently practice. Um, and so sometimes our faith can feel like a great struggle. We know what God is asking of us and, and we're willing to do it to the best of our ability, but uh, it's always difficult or maybe it's something we don't like and it could just simply be, hey, you got to get up. It's Sunday morning. <laughs> you have to go to mass, right? Uh, well, I'm tired. It's been a long weekend. I don't really want to go to Mass today. And that happens, I think, to everyone. Um, I think we're all friends here, so I could admit this. Uh, even priests, right? Sometimes we, we just get up in the morning and you think, oh, 
uh, I'm, I'm happy I'm a priest, but this mass is going to be tough, <laughs> right? Um, or you know, I'm distracted, I'm tired, I'm not feeling 100%, or I've got to say my prayers this morning, and I'm just doing it out of discipline. I'm just doing it because God has told me this is what I do, and I promised I would do it. But maybe I'm not desiring it in the sense that I'm, I'm particularly looking forward to it, right? It kind of comes and goes. It's like a marriage. Sometimes you're, you're very much in love, and you feel it. And you, you, other times, you just, okay, it's an act of faithfulness. To, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to get through this, and we know it'll be better tomorrow. And that's okay. That's an act of, of love, and there's great value in that. But that's not the way that God wants it permanently. So God is not telling us, I don't think, okay, you just need to grit your teeth and get through this and do what I say. And, and someday, if you're a good little boy and good little girl, you, I'll give you a slice of blueberry pie in heaven and then you'll be happy. God wants us to be happy now. And so he is transforming us to, to love what he loves, to desire what he desires. And so when he asks us, he tells us, this is my will for you, the idea is that eventually through these consistent acts of trying to love what God loves, we genuinely begin to love what he loves. And the Christian life becomes one of happiness and joy. Not necessarily easy or comfortable all the time, because we're always taking up a challenge, uh, but it's one that we look back on and you think, this is satisfying to me at the deepest level of who I am. Now, this is something we talk a lot about on the show, discipline and the daily things. And you and I could probably rattle off the list. Sunday Mass, as we are told in the commandments, we have to do. It's a non-negotiable. Daily prayers, morning offering. I'm a big fan of the daily rosary, the midday examine, an examination of conscience, a fuller examination of conscience in the evening. Um, having little moments of conversation with God throughout the day. It's not uncommon for me to be in the car and to kind of glance up towards heaven and say, Lord... I don't know why you sent that in my life today, but please help me to see why you sent that into my life today. Or the other prayer I encourage our listeners, Lord, how do you want me to live my vocation today? So these are all the basics we, we think of regularly. But you were saying before we, uh, before we started the interview that there are also other little things like refraining from making a comment or a snide right. remark or that post on social media or that reply on the email. I mean, how is that factoring into all of this? So it's, it's making the connection, right, between the graces you're receiving through your prayer life the examine is particularly important to know yourself, to know what is it that I struggle with consistently day in, day out. It may not be a big thing. It may just be a, something as small as, okay, I've gossiped every day for the last month. Uh, and knowing yourself and then targeting what it is you want to work on. So going to confession, getting those graces, confessing that bad habit. And then in practical life, taking the grace and using it, using it right? So tell yourself every day, okay, I get to work and at lunchtime, I gossip about that other employee. Today I'm not doing it, right? And then do it a day and then do it the next day and the next day. So it's, it's, it's a lifetime, right? And that's what desire and forming our habits to desire the good is. It's a total life change, and it, it happens not just in those big moments where you say, okay, I'm going to be a, a good Catholic now. I'm going to go to, to Mass every week. That's good, but also I'm going to be a good, a good Catholic. I'm going to be the kind of person I want to be, uh, and I am going to train myself to despise my habit of gossip. I want to recoil at the idea of it. 
such that it doesn't even tempt me the way that it used to. And that does happen. But I think what puts us off is how long it takes. Because we've been building bad habits for years and years and years. I've been building my bad habits now for 41 years. And so when I make a resolution to do better, it's going to take probably decades, you know, to, uh, to get to where we all need to be in terms of those resolutions. Yeah, it, it makes me think of that old quote, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Mm-hmm. And I, I tend to struggle with perfectionism. And I mean, mm-hmm. as we started this interview today, we were talking about the noises our listeners, you might be hearing in the background of the children here for catechesis in the rectory. And there would have been a time in my life where I would have said, well, Father, let's not even bother with this. If it can't be 100% silent and quiet for us to do this interview, we might as well not do it at all. But now recognizing, no, children coming to the parish to be catechized is a good thing. And if that causes me some minor inconvenience, Adam, let go of that. It's not going to be perfect, but this is all very good. But that's a big struggle for us, Father. So what do we do when we do struggle with that perfectionism? As you said, it takes years to develop these virtues, these good habits, and to let go of the vices, the Mm -hmm. bad ones. And we are going to have those moments where we do stumble and we do fall. And, you know, that I, I always think of the voice of the devil telling me, hey, look, you fell again, so why are you even bothering to try this again? Right. Yeah, so there's a fine line, I think, between being too easy on ourselves and just saying, oh, I'm fine the way I am. On the one hand, and on the other hand, trying to be a perfectionist with everything, uh, you, want, you want to find a, a moderate place in the middle, which is true self-knowledge, which is sensitive to those areas where you want to change, but not so obsessed with control and perfectionism and pride that you can't function, right, if you can't get it 100% right all the time. Because that perfectionism can be very dangerous. The church calls it scrupulosity, where we want to control everything, uh, and we think that we should be perfect all the time. And that causes an issue where we don't actually see ourselves the way God sees us, because he sees us as his children who are worthy of forgiveness. and he desires to forgive us. He wants us to come to confession regularly. He doesn't want us to be so frustrated with our continual sin that we avoid confession because we're embarrassed or think I should be better and there's something, you know, I'm not gonna tell the priest this because he's gonna think I'm a bad person. Or, uh, In my experience, we all confess the same things repeatedly for year, year after year after year after year. Uh, And so we have to be realistic with ourselves and cooperate with grace and take our wins when we can get them and then build on those wins. Yeah, well, you just brought us back to another very important point, cooperating with grace. Because, And I think this is probably a good place to end our conversation because we are running out of time. But we're fools, Father, if we think we can do this on our own. There's a lot more we could talk about with this conversation on our need for God. But I think the the summary is clear. Foster that desire and recognize that we're never going to be fully satisfied in this life. God willing, we will be in the life to come if we get to heaven and work with grace to build good habits so that we can take joy in that longing for God. Could I ask you to close our time together in prayer? Sure. The, the Lord be with you. And with your spirit. And I'll give you all a blessing. Benedicat vos omnipotens Deus, Pater et Filios et Spiritus Sanctus. Amen. Well, we're going to head back to the studio. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Don't go anywhere. Prayer to our guardian angel. O holy angel, attendant of my wretched soul and of mine afflicted life, 
Forsake me not a sinner, neither depart from me for mine inconstancy. Give no place to the evil demon to subdue me with the oppression of this mortal body, but take me by my wretched and outstretched hand, and lead me in the way of salvation. Yea, O holy angel of God, the guardian and protector of my hapless soul and body, forgive me all things whatsoever wherewith I have troubled thee all the days of my life. And if I have sinned in anything this day, shelter me in this present night, and keep me from every affront of the enemy, lest I anger God by any sin, and intercede with the Lord in my behalf, that he might strengthen me in the fear of him, and make me a worthy servant of his goodness. Amen. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven, and we are happy to be speaking this morning with Father Jeffrey Kirby, pastor of Our Lady of Grace Parish in Indian Land, South Carolina, a place that is quickly uh, moving up on my list of places to visit, Father. If for no other reason, then one day I hope to meet you face-to-face. But it's good to have you with us by phone this morning. Thank you, Adam. It's good to be on the show. And you're always welcome in Indian land. (laughs) Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Well, Father, today, you know, we're in the season of ordinary time, which is something we're going to talk about in a future episode, but it's a good time to step back. We don't have that focus on Lenten preparation or Advent preparation or Easter and Christmas joy. Uh, This is kind of a good time to get back to some of the basics. And one of the things as Catholics that I think we undeservedly get a bad rap for is that as Catholics, we don't really use our scripture as much as our Protestant brothers and sisters do. And we were talking on the on the phone before we started our interview this morning about Dr. Scott Hahn. And I think what a classic example of a a, a former Protestant who saw how much the scriptures were part of what we Catholics do, especially in the Mass. And so that's what we, we would like to talk about this morning is, how are we using scripture at Mass, aside from the obvious first reading, epistle, and gospel? Yes, so a lot of times, as you indicated, Adam, Catholics aren't aware of the biblical richness of, of the Mass. And what's powerful when we talk about the Mass is that we had the Mass before we had the Scriptures. So the Christian community was remembering the words of the Lord Jesus, remembering aspects of, of Scripture that applied to Him from the Old Testament, and they were sharing these Scriptures in the Eucharist before it was then written down. So when we say that the Mass is biblical, that's accurate, we could also say that the Bible is liturgical, because the Christian community was remembering the Lord Jesus, remembering his teachings, brought them into their Eucharistic celebration, and then in the course of time as the Scriptures were written, when the early Christians realized the Lord was not going to return within the next few generations, within their uh, few generations, they began to write them down. So there's a rich history in terms of the Scripture we find at Mass, but then also how we find those scriptures at Mass, and that ordering of the liturgy first, do this in remembrance of me, and then only later does the Christian community begin to write these down. And if we look at the Mass, we see the entire Mass is an explosion of scripture, from the Holy, 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 to Lord, I am not worthy to receive that you should come under my roof, uh, to the prayers that are offered. It is all richly charged, either exactly from the scripture, like word for word, or definitely within the spirit and the themes of the Scriptures. Indeed. You know, that example you just gave us, holy, 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 comes to us straight out of Isaiah's vision that he recounts. And we hear in the prophetic book, or or the book of the prophet Isaiah, and, um, you know, that was one of those beautiful things that was pointed out to me many years ago, and and just one of many to say, oh, 
wow, that is, yeah, a lot of the Mass is scriptural. Father, one of the things I want to ask about today, because I know we're talking about the scriptures at Mass, and the first part of our discussion here has been how it's more than just the readings. But I do want to turn to the readings for a second, because we often think about the the Mass as the work of the people of God, that we are offering this act of worship to God the Father through the Son in union with the Holy Spirit. And so everything we do at Mass, while we receive great benefit from it, in the end, is ultimately ordered towards an offering to the Father. So while we hear the readings, and it's good for us to hear from Isaiah and Jeremiah and Proverbs and Genesis and Exodus, and it's good to hear the letters of St. Paul to the Romans and the Colossians and to Timothy and the Corinthians and the four Gospels, even that very act of having those scriptures read at Mass is also an offering. And that's something that I think we lose sight of every now and then, that we're saying to the Father, you know, please have mercy on us. If for no other reason, remember how you had mercy on the people of God before. I wonder if you could share some thoughts on that. Yeah, so very much. If we look at that part of the Mass where we receive the Scriptures and the interpretation of of the Scriptures, uh, what we uh, call the Liturgy of the Word, if we were to understand that those Scriptures are the written form of the revelations of God. Okay, so God is revealing himself to us, words and deeds. This is contained in the Scripture, and we're hearing the Scripture proclaimed to us right there at the Mass. It's a living word. Uh, when we hear the Gospel, we give a direct address to Jesus Christ. You know, reading from the Holy Gospel, praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We're giving him a direct address because the Lord is present again, proclaiming the Gospel to us. And when we understand that we're receiving these revelations of God, in the Liturgy of the Word, and from the Liturgy of the Word, we go to the Liturgy of the Eucharist, and it's literally we see in the Mass, the Word proclaimed becomes the Word made flesh in the Eucharist. So with the Mass, the interaction, that first part of hearing the Word of God is so essential, because first, the Lord is speaking to us. God, once again, is speaking to us, just as He spoke to Moses, just as He spoke to David, just as He spoke to the Holy Ones. And then in the Mass, we get to see that Word that revelation become flesh in the Eucharist. So the Mass the mass is so beautiful, we could spend years and years diving into the mystery and the beauty of what we have at Mass. And to, to your point, Adam, sometimes Catholics will just approach the liturgy of the Word as if, well, it's just a prelude. Like, well, I can get there before the Gospel and still receive Holy Communion, right? Like, well, no, you should be here for the whole liturgy of the Word. You know, this, this isn't a legalistic game we play. Like, God is speaking, like He wants to speak to you today, and in His providence, what He declares in His Word at every Mass has immediate application to every heart that's present. Indeed. You know, I'm glad you say that, because so often, um, I won't say so often, every now and then, I've been to a Mass in a parish where the Liturgy of the Word almost comes across as story time, and and sadly I've been to Masses where I expected the lector to pick up a picture book and then show us all the picture after the way things were being read. Um, but it's not story time. It, it It's instruction time. As you've said, it's God speaking to us through the Scriptures. So would it be in correct then 
Or would it be correct to say that, say we go to Mass and the, the reading is from the prophet Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. That's not just God talking to Jeremiah, but that's God talking to Father Kirby and to Adam Wright and to everyone listening that hears that scripture proclaimed at that Mass. Amen, amen. I tell you, Adam, yes, and if your listeners get that, then suddenly scales drop from their eyes and they begin to understand the power of the leaders of the Word, because we're not just up there reading history books, or and as you're, as you're saying, it's not story time. God, as you indicated, God is speaking and saying those same words that He said to Jeremiah to each of us. He's saying that to my heart, and as I pay attention and listen to Him speaking, then suddenly I apply that living Word to my life. Like, where in my life, in my discipleship, do I need to hear this today? Where am I struggling, or where do I have concerns or fears? And how does this living word apply to me? Uh, to your point, Adam, about the literature of the word being a time of instruction, St. Paul tells us in Romans, all scripture is given for instruction. And later, of course, to Timothy, he says, all scripture can correct, edify, it can build up. It's, it's a living word. And we get that preeminently at Mass, because Pope Benedict says in, in his writings on the, on, on the, on the scriptures, there is no proper place, no better proper place for the Scriptures than in the Eucharist. And he goes so far as to say that if you're not hearing the Scriptures in the Eucharist, you cannot fully interpret or understand the Scriptures. Wow. Wow. Well, friends, I think we have some work before us, you know, not just to prepare for the readings at Mass. Although, if you want to do that, there are so many great free resources out there. I used just my own Sunday Missal. I went to the Catholic bookstore and bought a Sunday Missal, and I like to look ahead at the readings. And I like to do that with a book, Father. I, I have to say, you can find the readings online at usccb.org, and you just click on Daily Readings. You can find every day's readings there. But there's something about having a book in my hand in a quiet place, in a chair, in my prayer space, looking at the readings that is so Aside from that, there's great books out there on how the Scripture is interwoven through the Mass. And, you know, I think The Lamb's Supper by Dr. Scott Hahn is one that if you haven't checked it out, that's another book you may want to add to your reading list to learn about the Mass. We could go on and on. Um, sadly, time is a constraint for us this morning. Father, I wonder, could you close our time together with a prayer, please? Absolutely. Let us pray. Lord, we ask you to give your blessing to your people. May you reveal your face to them. May you continue to speak to us. May you open our hearts. May we do all that you ask of us through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Friends, you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We will be back after this. Monday always brings about a new theme for our daily dose of encouragement. And here with us today is Patty Schneier. Patty, what will we be talking about this week? Well, we are going to talk about reverence for the Eucharist. We've just celebrated the Feast of Corpus Christi, and I hope that that was meaningful. I love Corpus Christi processions and celebrating Corpus Christi. But, you know, we need to show our love for the Eucharist all throughout our days, all throughout the weeks and years and months. The Eucharist is the source and summit of our faith. So let's not just keep it to Corpus Christi, but let's really show our reverence for the Eucharist, and especially as our bishops have been encouraging us to really show our love for the Eucharist in this, as a way of evangelizing as well. So what we're going to talk about this week, believe it or not, are tiny, tiny, little bitty practices. And again, these are not my own suggestions this week. I have to give full credit to a friend of mine. And we just had a conversation 
this friend of mine and we were talking, we were talking about, you know, the daily dose of encouragement. We were talking about that I was going to do this week on reverence for the Eucharist. And I simply just asked him, well, what are some ways that you show reverence to the Eucharist? Which, by the way, that's my first word of encouragement. Talk about these topics with your friends. Ask each other and your family members, maybe tonight around the dinner table, how do we show reverence to the Eucharist? How can we as a family? How do you show reverence as a to the Eucharist. So these are all suggestions actually from my friend. And um, I started incorporating them in my own life and found them to be very meaningful. So the first one today for Monday, tiny little thing, but this is what he recommends. Make the sign of the cross in the car whenever you pass a church or even if you know that a church is nearby. Now, why do this? Because it's in reverence to the Eucharist that dwells in the tabernacle in that church. And so when you're driving around, if you pass a Catholic church, it's special. It's different. Jesus is there. It's a tiny physical action that we can do. But again, our body speaks. These gestures are important. We don't do them for meaningless, you know, just to be doing gestures. No, they are speaking a truth. And so we show our love for the Eucharist by just making that sign of the cross as we pass a church. It's an old custom, but let's bring it back. Make the sign of the cross in the car whenever you pass a Catholic church or if you know one is nearby. It's not really asking a lot of us, Patty. It's a very simple thing, but with a profound meaning. And so, friends, I think you and I need to rise to the occasion and incorporate this into our daily living if we aren't doing so already. Patty, I look forward to this week talking about reverence for the Eucharist here on the Daily Dose of Encouragement. All right. Now, those of you who have not had breakfast yet, I'm going to count myself among that number, but I am going to eat a little piece of humble pie here because I just said something when speaking with Father Kirby that needs to be corrected. I said that we think of the Mass as the work of the people of God. And while we all have our own place to play and our, our, our own place that we the work we must do in the Mass. I want to go to paragraph 1348 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church because I want to be absolutely clear about this. Paragraph 1348 says, and I quote, All gather together, Christians come together in one place for the Eucharistic assembly. At its head is Christ himself, the principal agent of the Eucharist. He is the high priest of the new covenant. It is he himself who presides invisibly over every Eucharistic celebration. It is in representing him that the bishop or priest, acting in the person of Christ the head, in persona Christi Capitis, presides over the assembly, speaking after the readings, receives the offerings, speaks after the readings, receives the offerings, and says the Eucharistic prayer. All have their own active parts to play in the celebration, each in his own way. Those who bring up the offerings, those who give communion, and the whole people whose amen manifests their participation. So that's paragraph 1348. If that wasn't enough, I also want to share with you this quote from St. John Vianney. All the good works in the world are not equal to the holy sacrifice of the Mass because they are the works of men. But the Mass is the work of God. Martyrdom is nothing in comparison for it is but the sacrifice of man to God, but the Mass is the sacrifice of God for man. So I just want to be very clear about that. Yes, we have, as the Catechism says, we each have our own active part to play in the celebration of the Mass. But without God, we can't do anything. It is Christ himself who presides over 
this each and every Holy Mass. He is the principal agent of the Eucharist. So let's just be very clear about that this morning. Aside from that, I hope that as you go throughout the day today, you have that longing for God in your heart. You know, whatever you are doing that daily examine, you know, looking for that dye, as we said in the beginning of the show, the re- in the refrigerant of the air conditioner, looking for where those leaks are in your life. And as Father Rainier exhorted us, that we are going to work to plug those leaks. So if it's gossip you struggle with today, don't gossip. If it's spending too much time on social media when you should be working, don't spend so much time on social media. If it's saying rude comments in response to something that someone said to you, don't say rude comments. You know, be on your best. Put on Christ, as St. Paul would say. Let's be holy today, and let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end, amen. Our Lady, Queen of Peace, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, once again, I invite you to spend the rest of the week celebrating with us the 25th anniversary of Covenant Network. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. for the beginning of our Summer Radiothon. And then right here Wednesday morning for our Summer Radiothon. And even Thursday morning, you get five days in a row because then Friday morning we're back with the Roadmap Roundup. It's a lot to celebrate this week, so tune in for a lot of fun. Until next time, for Covenant Network, I am Adam Wright. You've been listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Pray your rosary today.